Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the next podcast here for KECC 98.1, the Muse FM. I'm John Christopher Collins, your host. It is the 3rd of November, Friday, 2017, 8.20 a.m. Central Standard Time. Joining me, I have John Spence. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's been a long week, but this is a good way to end it. I fully agree. Yes. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for joining me. Anytime. What we're going to do today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go into a little bit of John's testimony and just kind of have him co-host with me. We may touch on politics. We may go into religion. I don't know where we're going to go, but wherever we do, it's going to be good. So, John, uh, take it away and tell us uh, as much about yourself as you want to. Okay. uh, Well, I'm a junior here at Evangel. I'm a pre-law English double major, uh, so I read and write a lot. I thoroughly enjoy that. I was born here in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, I've lived here all my life. My family is mostly from the South, though, so we travel down there a lot. I kind of claim that as a almost like an ancestral homeland. Um, (laughs) We're in the South. So my grandparents are from Mississippi and Louisiana, but a lot of my family has kind of coagulated in Alabama. Okay. So we go down to, uh, it's it's in around like Mobile. There's a little, it's a county called Coffee County. And it's like something straight out of To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty incredible because my immediate family, my, my grandparents left and we are about the only branch of our family on my dad's side that has left that mm. area. So every time we go back, it's like, okay, you're related to all these people. You've never seen them before. Right. And they all think you're the, like, Yankee because you live in Missouri. But it's great. I I love it. I love everything about the South. And, and, um, I mean, minus some of the uh, more sordid histories. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time... Uh, I think people will, would find if they were to really uh, go down and get to know some of those people that a lot of the um, preconceptions about racism, about um, the antebellum South, the darker sides, uh, are largely no longer there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that being said, I, I f- fully consider myself a son of the South, if right. you would say. Um, but at the same time, I hold a lot of opinions that are um, vastly not <laughs> held by that type of demographic. Cool, cool. And that's what it's all about, is breaking the barrier, getting people to see, hey, it's not that way anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that you bring that up. Now, for folks that don't know, you have a history in this school, you and your family. Yeah. Why don't you go into to a little bit of that? Okay, well, uh, what a lot of people... A lot of people know my granddad. Um, he was right. the president here for 40 years, uh, was and still is the chancellor. His title, I think, is like Chancellor Emeritus, so uh, he has a cool title but doesn't have to do a ton. Um, and he really helped build Evangel into what it is today, Okay. start the wheels turning. But my family's actually been here before that. Interesting. Um, my granddad on my mother's side was a pitcher for the baseball team. Um, and that was back in, I believe, the 60s. And that was when Evangel's baseball team was killer. And actually, his, his, the, his team picture is on a mural. 
uh, over in the Ashcroft Center. Hmm. And so uh, he played sports here, and and my grandmother uh, attended here as well. And she actually went on to become an English professor. I have a great aunt and uncle who uh, taught mathematics and education here. Um, and so my family's been a part of the school for a really long time. And I'm just the latest generation. And Evangel started when? Uh, Evangel started in 1955. Okay. My granddad showed up in 74. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. So knowing that, what is your favorite part of Evangel? Uh, I got to say the community is pretty incredible. And um, with a religious with a religious background like the school has, that can seem a little cultish to mm-hmm. people on the outside. But truly... If you attended Evangel and compared it to probably like a Missouri State or mm-hmm. a larger school, you would find that Evangel just simply has a tighter knit community. Right. A lot of the professors and that, I mean, like they really drive that because the professors here are so accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that I meet with two professors regularly. Um, one of them is a department chair and just simply by nature of it being a smaller school, that accessibility helps the student greatly. I have friends who go to Missouri State. I was, I, I've lived in Nixa, which is about 20 minutes away um, since I was a kid, and so several of my friends ended up going to Missouri State. Okay. And what they talk about is how not only can they not even get their professors in office hours, sometimes the professors don't even teach the class. It's just a graduate assistant. And so they have little to no communication with their the people who are supposed to be teaching them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then additionally, I think our community life here in terms of uh, like the residence halls and the commuters uh, really do a lot to help us feel like we're at home, mm-hmm. even though it's such an unconventional home. Yeah. Um, and of course, involvement is phenomenal i love i just love that aspect the almost familial aspect of of attending evangel yeah so i don't know if you want to get into this but your least favorite thing if you can change anything leave a legacy here that you'd want to change what would that be uh not to step on any toes and before i uh before i say this i have to throw down a little bit of a qualifier Mm -hmm. Uh, our administration loves the school and does a great many things to continually assist um, and build Evangel into something even greater than it already is. Uh, But one thing I think I'd like to see is just a little bit more of a presence from them Mm -hmm. because uh, it's, it's difficult I think a lot of students struggle to get a lot of FaceTime. And not, and again, I don't mean to be demanding because right. they have a job to do. Exactly. And yeah. they have things that they are working on and are, are constantly doing that they have to do. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be nice to just get a little bit more uh, visibility from them, mm-hmm. uh, whether that be coming to the CAF to eat a meal with students uh, every week or... Um, moving from department to department uh, and just kind of like getting the feel for how that's going. I think that would open communication not only with the students um, but also with a lot of professors and that way uh, the administration can kind of see from a ground level 
what's really going on mm -hmm. rather than waiting to hear it in meetings or trying to scope it out from rigs. Um, but again, uh, that's not a knock against our administration. I think For they sure. do a phenomenal job and, and, um, and frankly, we wouldn't be where we are today without all of their hard work and, and love for not only the university, but for the students. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think that would be my answer to that question. Interesting point, too, because that's not something I think people really think about. We see President Taylor ever so often in a chapel service, and she may speak, but I don't think students really know how much work goes into that. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, there's very little face time. Well, and I think for me, too, I'm just a relational person mm -hmm. as it is so um you know in addition to seeing uh president taylor and dr mccorkle and uh dr phillips as leaders i, I also you know kind of want to get to know them as people and i think it would help it would help my fellow students as well to sit down and dialogue with them and, and realize that they're people too they're not Mm -hmm. They're not just their title. Right, right, yeah. They're not just an empty seat. Or exactly, yeah. yeah. To quote uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> yes. So um, with all that said, what made you want to get into law? Uh, well, at first, when I was a little kid, I wanted to do politics. Um, mm -hmm. That was the goal. I loved the political world. and um, But again, as a little kid, you have a really idealized view of that right. um, and as I grew up and particularly after last year's election the 2016 election mm -hmm. um, I became just phenomenally disillusioned mm -hmm. with the political sphere not only because of the way things went necessarily but mm -hmm. because uh, I just realized how nasty it is yeah. and I knew I mean I I was aware that it was not necessarily a clean industry mm -hmm. but I just don't think I realized how how awful it gets and how just I hesitate to say sinful but right um, immoral mm -hmm. a lot of the dealings are right and uh, so with that I had chosen law because I knew a lot of politicians uh, came from that field but by the time that I realized that I didn't want to do that, um, I had built up an interest enough to where I really liked the field. Um, and I'd like to be a corporate lawyer. Um, so I love economics. I love the world of business. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily want to own or run a business, I don't think. Okay. But uh, I would love to be a legal counsel, work in mergers and acquisitions or something. Um, for uh, either a firm or for a company, but uh, that's kind of what got me there in the first place. Okay, okay. And one of the things we always talk about, because we've had many political conversations, mm -hmm. is people in our generation getting involved, being active. I feel, and it's just my opinion from talking to other people our age, that the level of interest in politics is very, very low. I was talking with somebody last week and they said, yeah, you know, my problem is I just don't know who to believe. Well, I can agree to that, you know, uh -huh. obviously. But why would you say that it's important for people to be involved or at least have an interest or an understanding, a basic understanding of what's going on even? Sure, uh, well, I think more than anything else, uh, these the, the government and the legislation that's passed 
this is what's controlling how we live. Mm -hmm. And when I say how we live, I don't necessarily mean how we like breathe and eat. Right. But at the same time, it's controlling our business. It's controlling um, what's legal and illegal. And it's it's ultimately deciding um, to a degree the rules of the game for life in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if people are not aware of that, and say some legislation passed that's harmly, harmfully detrimental to a certain way of life, uh, and people aren't aware of it, they, I mean, they can't do anything to stop it. And really, where a lot of the opposition is going to come from is from, you know, grassroots campaigns, and if people are totally oblivious to things that are going on, um, and not to be conspiratorial, right. but. Um, people who are in power will continue to amass uh, power until they gain enough control over our daily lives to where they're doing things uh, without having really any, not only connection to people, Mm -hmm. but accountability for the decisions they're making. So I think, uh, and it's also just smart. It's Mm -hmm. just smart to know what's going on um, so that one can be better informed about how the system works. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is the key for getting, let's say, young people excited, involved, and having a desire to want to know what's going on? And see, that's tough because... Um, it's such a broad question. Yeah, I, know. I think a lot of people assume that... Uh, that our generation just wants like free stuff. Mm-hmm. They just assume, okay, you're gonna, I mean, if I've got this bumper sticker or this hat or this pin for free, <laughs> people are going to get get into politics. Right. And while that works to a certain extent, um, at the end of the day, we wanna be treated like Adults, right, right? Because at this stage in the game, we're starting to reach that point of maturity. Not full maturity, but uh, at least a level where we can understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we, we just want to be talked to honestly. And this is kind of a little bit of a bunny trail. But I was speaking with someone and have had this conversation several times uh, about megachurch culture. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, from the 80s to the early 2000s, you know, the fog machines, the rock music, the flashing lights, and the good-looking pastor in new clothes right, right. was appealing to people because Christianity was cool. Mm-hmm. And they had they had gotten a, they weren't necessarily quite to the secular world, but they had started inching closer to that to the point where, uh, you know, maybe if we look like... Um, some of the popular things that are going on, we can appeal to a bigger crowd. And that's not a misguided idea, but the problem is it became very fake. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes more about a show and a performance and um, looking good right. rather than are we putting forth a genuine message. And our generation sees right through that. Mm-hmm where it might have appealed to previous generations, we are now realizing you are not authentic. So transfer that over to politics where you have people who are, I mean, 
frankly, some of them are lying, totally lying mm -hmm. to the people about their promises, about what they're about. Um, and I think we just want to be told straight, what are you doing? What do you want to accomplish? Right. And then from there, see what we want to support. Right, right, right. And I think like me, you're not a party guy. You're an issues-based mm -hmm. person. Yeah. I'm very classically liberal. I lean more that way. And I'd love to get into a political conversation because I think one of the important things, and we can do this in a later podcast, is to be able to find the things we agree on and be okay with things we disagree on. Mm -hmm. and I think that's what's lacking in American politics today. I fully agree. And, and um, we live... It was really funny after uh, the 2012 election I started thinking okay well uh, I feel like politics are gonna end up getting a lot more moderate mm -hmm. um, just simply because at that point in time for whatever reason I felt like it was very polarizing but the exact opposite happened it became mm -hmm. even more polarized to the point where one side is so concerned about being politically correct that they can't speak the truth mm -hmm. and the other side has confused um, just plain meanness for being honesty and so there's not really any truth and when one side states an opinion the other side feels like they have to be militantly against that right and then and it becomes almost a cold war as both sides continue to escalate and there's no dialogue anymore and that's really what i think and i'm in total agreement with you Great. is missing in our culture is that People have forgotten how to disagree yeah. in a peaceful manner. Right, right, right. Well, I think that pretty much does it for today's podcast, but I want to thank you for joining me. This has been fun. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I've had fun. Yes, yeah, so, thank uh, you for having me. Of course, of course. Let's do it again. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, John Christopher Collins here for Evangel University. Bye-bye.